What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Love Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. Thank you for tuning in to our episode today. My name's Imran, and you are, of course, listening to Blue and Green Radio's The Blue in Green Podcast. Uh, before we jump into today's incredibly special episode, a quick reminder, as per usual, that the Blue in Green Podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station that broadcasts from London and hosts shows and is incredibly fortunate and... Um, lucky and blessed to host shows uh from across the whole wide world from japan to the u.s to australia to france and of course various parts of the uk uh we couldn't be more proud of our shows of our content and each of our presenters uh and their dedication their unwavering affection and dedication for uh presenting and promoting independent new innovative and inspired jazz soul funk and latin music uh today guest on the blue and green podcast embodies all of those elements to incredible effect i have the great fortune of speaking to oh, the multi-talented uh, miss eki shola um i couldn't be more excited about it we talk to uh, eki on the release of her fifth album uh, entitled Cairo. Uh, we delve into her incredible accolades and achievements and distinctions musically from as we said uh, writer producer a multi-instrumentalist composer uh, uh, it's it's an incredible kind of list and everything that she is able to bring to her music is inspirational um, there's no sh- nothing short uh, of inspirational uh, we talk about again the, uh, primarily the the fifth album Kairu and everything that that um, album um, embodies at this time in terms of it, it's a quite a monumental shift for her musically uh with uh, sort of japan now proving to be a huge part uh of her music uh, aesthetically musically and geographically uh, the album saw um eki move to japan to create this album and work with uh, musicians which in of itself was a new process uh, she is just speaking to us I think a week removed from her tour which saw her uh, venture across various parts of Japan which we again discuss in the uh, in the conversation as well so it, it's really really a wonderful conversation I want to really genuinely extend a, a very heartfelt uh, thanks uh, to Eki for just she's you know so gracious and giving with her time and her stories and uh, just everything that goes into her music and just it's a, a lovely um, it was a really brilliant uh, uh, kind of hour that we got to spend just talking about her music and um, just everything into it it's just it's just a really great episode and I can't wait for you guys to hear it uh, before we jump in regular listeners will know we feature two songs per episode um, uh, the first track I'm going to introduce you to the album uh, with is the album's title track. So we're going to play Kairu now and then we're going to close this episode with a track that we briefly discuss uh, during the conversation, which is Forest. Um, two wonderful songs indicative of um, the album. Please check out uh, Eki's Bandcamp page. We'll, there will be links in the descriptions. And um, yes, I very much, very much hope you guys enjoyed the episode today. Thanks so much for checking it out. And um, yeah, feel free to visit us at blueandgreenradio.com. And without further ado, friends, Miss Eki Shola. Oh, 
trying to find respite for my soul. Thank you so much for your time firstly it's it's such a, a, a joy and a pleasure to, to kind of be able to, to just to, to hang out and and talk you and your your wonderful music i've been so looking forward to to kind of getting to getting to talk to you today so thanks so much for your time i really appreciate it oh and thank you for the opportunity i'm really touched thank you Oh, you're very kind. Um, I say again, thank you for your time. I mean, yes. you've had, uh, you, you must be incredibly, I mean, I say you, you must be busy. I know you've been busy um, yeah. with, with uh, the release <laughs> of, of the new album, which I can't wait to talk to you about. But I mean, you've you've not been back from Japan for too long. Is that right? Right. I, I think it's been a week now. I've, oh, I lose gosh. track of time. <laughs> it's, so. it's how and how how well, how was that? I mean, you've I think you've spent a lot of time there recently, but what an incredible experience you must have had! Obviously, creating this project, but being able to perform it. I've got your tour schedule in front of me, which is yeah, it looks amazing. Uh, Kyoto, Tokyo, uh, Okayama. This is yeah. this is fantastic, right? It is. Have you been to Japan? I have. It was yeah. in okay. about 2000. So my memory of it isn't too great, yeah. but it's like 2007, I think it was. Oh, so okay. yes, I was lucky. I went to Tokyo, Kyoto and Niigata. Oh, um, nice, amazing nice. place. Isn't it? Yeah. Amazing, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's incredible. I, the first time I went was um, probably around 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 the time you went, actually. Oh, wow. And I just yeah, I was there as a medical student doing a rotation. And I remember I was only there for three weeks, Tokyo, Kyoto, Hakone. And that's like the first place I cried when I came back home. Oh, wow. I was just I was just so moved and and I and I said to myself, one day I, I have to come back. I have to live here part time somehow. I don't mm. know how. 
And then it's just like fast forward to, you know, last year I had the opportunity to work there as a physician. And then I was doing music and that just one connection led to many and all this synchronicity occurred and I found myself recording and, and touring there. I guess how how did that kind of uh, fall into place musically? I, I mean, it's not necessarily like factored into your, a lot of your music beforehand. Is that right? It's not what? Sorry. It hasn't factored in. Um, it's, it's sort of j- Japanese sort of styles of music and culture. It hasn't been no. a huge factor in your music prior, has it? So what, what kind of yeah. led to those events that made you? Well, so I was taking a introduction to Japanese class, right, during, I think it was during COVID. And Amazing. I remember learning the word kairu. And I was like, that is going to be the theme and the title of my next album. Oh, wow. And kairu means to return home. So that was sort of the, the seed. And then I started writing this album. And in October 20. 22 right i was in portugal and was at that time i heard that the borders opened for japan and so work called me and asked me if i wanted to go and i said you bet (laughs) so i went you know like probably you know days later and so i would go to work during the day and at the end of the clinic i would just check out live music venues right and the music scene and the art scene is incredible it it's Mm. it's almost as if the arts is just built into the fabric of everything it's it's not this sort Mm. of extra commodity um it's a way of life it's everywhere from the the smallest towns i've been to to you know to to tokyo and it so it's hard to choose (laughs) what Mm. you want to go and see and so i was in hiroshima and i went to one cafe and the owner there, uh, he, it was him. He introduced me to somebody else. And that person, I found out, owned a recording studio. And he invited me to come and record. And probably, about, oh gosh, maybe a few weeks before I went, around that time, I just redid my half the album, at least half of it. Um, oh, wow. It changed. And there were some sounds that I really wanted and I, I didn't know what those sounds were. And I, but I, I was leaving sort of a placeholder for, for a certain sound. And when I went to Japan, I realized, ah, this is the shamsen I want. And nice. I, because I was hearing these instruments, but I didn't know the names of them until I went. And Mongolian Marin Crow is another one. So, this person who owned the recording studio, Hiroshi Kobayashi, studio is called Teramak. He was the one who introduced me to some of these local artists, and I had the you know honor of re- recording with them and then performing with them uh, as the last show in the tour. Mm. How uh, performance-wise, how yeah. how do Japanese audiences vary from what audiences you may be used to in the states or elsewhere? They all listen. (laughs) All all eyes are on you, Imran, and everyone is like just in it with you. It's incredible. And even, you know, despite the language barrier that, you know, that's, Mm. you know, that's, that's the the beauty of music. It it transcends words um, and it goes straight to the heart, to the feelings. And that's what people can connect with. And so it was a little bit jarring at first to, to really <laughs> to have people pay attention. But after a while, I got used to it. And, you know, people come up afterwards and talk to you. And, and, and it was just, yeah, just a completely unique experience. <laughs> Amazing. That's such yeah. a great description. They listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fascinating. <laughs> yes. you, have there been some nightmare performances in the States or elsewhere? Oh, yeah. You know, I've had my keyboard like power down midway oh, in a no. show. And then, you know, it's like a mini computer. So it takes a while to reboot. Mm. 
I've had that. I mean, one show in Japan, we couldn't find the right cable to attach to the soundboard. Right. So I was like, what am I going to do? But anyway, we worked around it with playing, using a bass amp as a monitor. But uh, yeah, knock on wood, not too many. Yeah, that's amazing. Major bad things have happened. So <laughs> that the, what was that kind of? Did you? I mean, sort of as you said, you've you've met mm. new people. You kind of created music with new people. Was this mm. well, and, and with new sounds, as as you kind of described? I mean, was this um, a an experience that was daunting? Or I imagine, I mean, so much of I think in my review, I kind of talked about your this overwhelming kind of desire that you you appear to present in your music, which is just exploration and yes. going to the unknown and searching and let, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Let's try that. But right. this is like in a complete new environment, new people, was it daunting or is it just something that you just embraced wholeheartedly the whole way through? It was exhilarating. Right. So, you know, I, and the way we recorded was, uh, individually so we didn't even unfortunately get to record all together but it still worked out so each artist for instance the drama came in and laid the tracks down and I had set up sort of a template drum pattern before but I said do your own thing this is just a rough guide do you and so I said the same thing to Uma and Bina who played the shakahashi in Shemsen and she said well this is different than the way I normally play. She said, but I'm up for the challenge because I also just improvise. And one of the tracks is called For You and it's for her. And oh, wow. So, yeah. And so she just played it out, came this like bluesy Japanese music that was reminiscent to me of, of musicians from Mali. And it was just perfect. And for most of, probably for all of the songs, the first take was the best uh, because they just let free and they did what they, mm. you know, what first came to, to, to mind. And same thing with Tatsuya Okabayashi, who played the Mongolian Marin Kerr. That's a stringed instrument. And he played, when, when you listen, you, you hear the bow touching the string and it has this beautiful rustling deep sound and it was just the perfect perfect sound so a lot of it was this exploration and then communication via google translation so. oh wow i was gonna ask <laughs> i was gonna ask how was your japanese to that point because i know you had been studying it but then were you are you fluent at this point or are you still no. are you, oh. <laughs> ask me in 10 years i hope to be no 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 um, it's, it's like a very difficult language, doesn't it? Oh. It, it is difficult, uh, but it's so beautiful sounding. Mm. Yeah. So it was mainly, yeah, Google Translate and then <laughs> Hiroshi Psan, who owns the studio, he was gracious enough to, to translate right. for, for us. Yeah. My gosh. But music, you don't necessarily have to translate, right? We're beating right. out the patterns on our chest and we're communicating that way, you mm. know? So. Yeah. Was it kind of difficult to obviously you're not relinquishing control, but mm. you're you're collaborating in ways where you like you said you know you you have a drummer, but you've still laid out uh, a drum pattern. But is it kind of was it difficult or, or sort of letting go of certain creative elements, or were you just happy for people to just take a song into maybe some, a, it's a direction that you hadn't initially conceived? I. I think it was both. It was a little difficult at first because I was like, oh, you know, yeah, it's a little nervous. This is the first time I've recorded um, with other artists, actually, on an album like this. Mm. I think one thing that was a little unexpected for me was when you relinquish control, I felt more free. I was like, ooh, wow. I want a band because then I don't have to do all this. I don't have to, you know, figure out the drum beats and this and that. So there there was some freedom to it too, actually. Mm. So let's let's run through if I if if I may. Yes. I mean, for this album in particular. Right. I mean, you have the 
just the incredible distinction of being credited for writing vocals, cello, keyboards, piano, synth, bass, electronics, composition, production, mixing, and mastering, which yes. is you have that string to your bow as well, which is amazing like to take the have the studio kind of engineer part of it as well right. i mean thank you this is it's any i mean <laughs> it's inspiring to, to say the least but <laughs> but how, how 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 have you kind of got to to that that point i mean again mm. we talked about the idea of exploration right. uh, in your music and that clearly goes as far as it possibly can within the realms of music making for you right. to the point where you've explored all of these instruments. I mean, this, it's, this is incredible, right? No, thank you. I, you know, I, it was hard. I, I found, cause my first few albums were mixed and I found that it, it was easier for me to just learn how to mix rather than trying to communicate what it is that I want because mm-hmm. uh, I was having a lot of difficulty being able to say this is what I want sonically, like per bar of music. Like that's too tedious for a sound engineer. And I know was, I worked with some very wonderful ones and it was a little frustrating. And so I remember my dad, he's a musician. He was saying, why don't you just learn how to mix yourself? I'm like, no, 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 that's too hard, too hard. <laughs> but he's like, just do it. You know, you know how it should sound. So then it was just, you know, taking classes. We have a really great local community college, and I took a few classes, and then it's just practicing and then making mistakes and learning. I mean, I'm still learning. And this was one of the most difficult albums to mix because of the live instrumentation for me. Mm. So that was, yeah, that was challenging. Wow. But I feel that it worked out well. And I mean, the same thing for the mastering. I, I, I didn't want to lose the subtleties of the, of the dynamics in the mix. So I knew that I had to also learn how to master too. Because, you know, when mm. you sometimes when you master, um, things get super compressed and, and, and it's it just sort of one one dynamic and i and i and i and i didn't want that yeah for for this album amazing will will, will these be uh, kind of duties particularly that the engineering part of it that you'll Mm. you'll take for future projects as well or is it something that at times you'll be like i really i I did not enjoy this part of it at all (laughs) look let me tell you i'll be honest there are plenty of times during this album it's like crap let me just send it to someone to take care of let them just do it (laughs) I really, really wanted to, but I was like, no, 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 this is, you got to do this. Amazing. (laughs) But there's, there's very little that you, you couldn't do in any facet of life, surely. I mean, you're, you're a, you're a qualified physician. You're, you've, you've made that transition to music to, I mean, the, the achievements of, of, of Cairo and the successes attached to it. I mean, Mm. it's phenomenal. Right, there's surely there's nothing that you could say to yourself, yeah. I, I, I cannot achieve this. That's clearly not in your mindset at all, right? Uh, false. <laughs> <laughs> you give me such great confidence. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, like, you know, part of it also. I mean, like, I'll be honest. When I was in Japan, I've, I've gone to a bunch of jazz shows, and mm. these some of these pianos are incredible. Their their fingers are flying all over the place, yeah. and just these great gospel sounding chords and all of this. And I'm like, man, I wish I could do that, but I don't even have the time in this lifetime to do that. Of all the things I want to do, so that's just not me, and that's okay. And I've come to that point. Um, that is okay. And I know that, you know, I started a, a lot later, at least professionally in the music biz. So I feel like there's just so much I want to do and there's this rush. And I know there's no rush, but it's me trying to remind myself that, you know, take your time, you know, in, enjoy each project for what it is. Like, I mean, literally like it was hours after the last show of my tour. I was like, you know, you're when you're on this adrenaline high and you've had a great time, then it's done. It was just mm. like, oh, 
now what? What's the next project? Yeah. <laughs> and then someone was saying, what do you mean what's the next project? You just had this incredible release. Ride on that. Keep sharing it with the world. Embrace it. Enjoy it. And I was like, you know what? Yes. Mm. <laughs> so... It's that's really fascinating. I get I get quite uh, intrigued with that facet yeah. of someone in your position where it's. So I think sometimes it you can understand someone saying, um, "I'm done. I I just need a, to recharge. I just want to take right. a break from this process of it, whether it's performing like you had just been doing or music yes. making. I just want to detach myself, live life a little bit, and then right. kind of look at something with fresh eyes. I totally understand that. But yes. then again, I completely understand. What you know, as you initially described, that you've 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 completed you know this amazing you know series of performances around Japan, and what mm. a perfect what round you know perfect way to round out that entire experience of making this album uh, by performing over there as, as in as many places as you did. But and I can completely understand that creative buzz if it's uh, grabbed the hold of you, then it's kind of like you you know that urge to keep going right um so it's yeah it's an interesting yes. uh, situation to find yourself in i imagine it, it totally is yeah it is yes a few of the shows i got to share the bill with a couple of other local groups and you know hearing them play and talking to them later was just so inspiring i mean one group black petrol fantastic like time signatures i didn't even know what they were playing and and so i was you know talking to the drama afterwards and like yeah we should totally collaborate so even you know through this process it's been giving me ideas and of of of, yeah where where my music can go next and Mm. it's just been really eye-opening that's amazing. Will it will it linger within this um this kind of J- J- Japan kind of uh, period? Will that kind of press on to you think the next project, or again, will it be like let's detach and uh, and and look at things from a different angle to do something different? I I think this is the tip. Like I know oh, wow. I'm meant to be there. It feels like I'm meant to be there. Amazing. So I feel like this is just the beginning to just. It already is amazing. Has been amazing. Like yeah, I I feel like it will really continue and be a, a great base for me creatively oh, wow. and musically yeah amazing um when you kind of create like mm. uh in those early stages um i know it's not necessarily the case for this album um in terms of as you're playing with 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 instrumentalists and they're you know interpreting certain things in their own way but usually yeah. um when you're kind of writing an album does it kind of do you have a clear image in your head of what you want it to be or is does that picture just keep evolving as you start each process of writing recording and things like that does it just continually evolve or do you tend to say this is what it's going to be and that's exactly where it goes it's a great point you usually there's there's a theme that i kind of you know a concept that i have in my head whether it's you know um yeah there's a theme so for for Kairu, I knew I knew I didn't know what the songs would be necessarily, but I knew that they would be tapping into this whole exploration of what is home and where is home. Mm. And I, it wasn't like I even sat down and just consciously wrote about songs about home because I I didn't. I, I don't I don't usually work that way. It's sort of what I don't know. It 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 it. It's just literally what's coming through um, my feelings at the time that mm. I'm sitting at the piano, and and then it just comes out, and then it, the next song is related. It, it just is this organic kind of way of evolving. I mean, of course, I'll write songs, and I'll be like, yeah, no, this is not a good fit. You know, this is not going to work. Mm. But um, you know, about I think it was about two of these songs on Kairu I had started a few years ago like forest and that song i it came after just doing this guided meditation and i remember sort of visualizing me playing music in a forest and so the song is kind of a little bit haunting and but i didn't know how to finish it that was one of the songs that was missing a sound and when i went to japan is that's when i realized what sound it was 
but it it was the right process. Everything happens at the right time, right? So I mm. I, I wasn't stressing that it wasn't done. Um, I, I knew it would be, and that was one of the songs that I feel I don't know when I play that in Japan. Quite a few few people come up and say thank you for playing that. Oh wow. That's nice. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know if that answered your, your question, but I, I don't really have a template. Right. <laughs> yeah. Does you at the piano tend to be the starting point for new songs? Always. Yeah. Right. So it's usually the piano and then bass and then piano solos and then everything else after that. Yes. Wow. Yes. But That's right amazing. now, I'm, I'm challenging myself uh, to do acoustic versions of some of my songs. Oh, wow. Yeah, so no Ableton. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Going back to old school, just piano. And that's that's been interesting. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so what would that be like for future sort of releases or just in terms of workshopping new ideas or, or how do you? I think. Both, even just for for performances, um, mm. just sort of a stripped down version, and also just to challenge myself to see how can I play this live. So you know, a lot of times when I'm writing music, I it's very hard for me to not worry about how I'm going to perform it because I'm recording all the tracks for everything, and I find that when I worry about that then that cuts down on my ability to you know tap into that creativity when I'm performing uh composing so now when I write I'm just saying okay you write whatever you want and we can figure out the performance part later so these stripped down versions will have sort of the main theme and the lyrics but I guess it'll be sort of like a remix essentially yeah definitely release that too amazing yeah oh that would be amazing yeah mm-hmm. i look, we'll look forward to that so thank you that's um you mentioned obviously the theme of identity and yes. home yes. kind of being the the springboard for the project how um i've kind of I, I it's interesting to kind of analyze that within the context of what uh my, myself as a listener mm. uh what 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 that means because it, it's sort of uh, it, it sort of, I guess, speaks to your natural kind of kinship with Japan and, right. you know, being, you know, a part of you almost being pulled there and feeling yes. that, that, that kinship. But it's almost, there's a weird irony in like the, the context of writing a, or, or creating music about home, but sort of having to leave home in order to do that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so that's sort of it's it's a really lovely dichotomy of the album. I mean, does one of those Mm. ring out more true to you than the other? Like it was the pull to Japan that kind of created that album and that home uh, kind of base, or is it a case of it's almost that distance of leaving um, the states, almost to be able to to write about it at the same time? Yes, exactly. That you you said it so so beautifully. Um, yeah, because I, I was born in London and I left when I was 10 and moved to New York. And I've never really, never really truly felt American. It, it's weird. I've never fully been able to identify or, or feel rooted here. And when I first went to Japan, like I said, I just felt that, 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 that connection and I think part of it is, I mean, not only is you know that I appreciate the culture and 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 and, and the people and the sense of community, um, respect. Um, I have felt when I'm there. I've been there about twelve times. I have felt um, the greatest sense of peace. And the greatest sense of being able to be myself when I'm there. And so Mm -hmm. Japan has given me that gift of being able to feel safe in being my 
own authentic self. And that I feel is what home is. And so I thought it was sort of the physical structure, the physical entity of Japan and, and, and that being home. And I think that's part of it. But also the bigger part is it has allowed me to feel um, at home within. Mm. And it, it didn't hit me until I was, a few visits ago, I was walking around and Imran, I felt like I was floating. It was this really odd sensation. It wasn't unpleasant, but I, I just felt like, I was like, pinch me. Where am I? How am I here? Mm. And it was a sense of lightness and joy. And I'm always crying when I'm there. It's just, <laughs> yeah, just, just gratitude and just thankful to be there. And, and I realized that lightness was the release of all the tension I didn't even know I was carrying. The tension of, 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 code switching in the U.S., the tension of being a little extra vigilant where I go in the U.S., the tension of trying to watch what I say and how it's interpreted and how I will be interpreted in the U.S. And I realized that was part of it. I didn't have to, that none of that was has been there, that those burdens have not been there for me in Japan. I can just be free and me. And so, again, that's also where that feeling of safety and authenticity come from. And I was like, well, if I'm feeling this, I'm sure other, um, other you know, folks feel that way, especially people of color. And so I don't see many Black folks when I'm there, the places that I go. But I have met a few and we've had this discussion. And the same exact things come up. And it's like we didn't even realize it. We were feeling this way until we left the US, came to Japan, and then could, you know, have these these deeper reflections. So I don't know if that, that makes sense, wow. but No, I understand I I I, I, yeah. I yeah, I understand. It's um yeah, I must be such a spiritual thing to to have that kind yes. of connection with a I guess a in theory a place that you wouldn't initially know, but then right. to just feel that kind of right. Uh, yeah, right. I don't, the connection, as 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 you say, yeah. it's um, yeah, that uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it must be a magical, magical thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, whereabouts in London? I th- did I? I I've, I'm trying to remember. I think we in the early conversations that we had. I think you guys said, is it Hackney? Is that right? Yeah, Stratford. No I think it, I think it was Stratford. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not too far. That's amazing. Do you do you get <laughs> yeah. to come back often or at all or? I do. I try to go back every few years. It's been a while. I think the last time was right before COVID. Um, But that area has changed post, um, especially post-Olympics. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, But I still have a lot of extended extended family there. Oh, awesome. It's a shame. It's interesting. You went to sort of New York. I remember going to New York. uh, God, such a long time ago. Uh uh, It's it's in a an enamoring place to kind of be i think because you've you've almost grown up with it film right. set wise it's the basis of so many films and shows and uh, <laughs> no. comedians and so much mm. of our pop culture sort of emanates from new york it would have been mm-hmm. an amazing thing to experience at 10 years old or from 10 years old onwards it is i yeah i remember um <laughs> you remember these weird things when i left it was guy fox day november 5th oh wow I think, um <laughs> Top Gun had just come out, and um, <laughs> wow, what a memory! <laughs> I know I'm dating myself, and all I knew is just like, okay, I'm going to the land of Michael Jackson and yeah. Cabbage Patch dolls. I was so excited! <laughs> oh my god, so excited! Amazing! <laughs> what a great summation of New York, it's a lovely right. <laughs> Um, oh sorry go ahead please no no but we moved to um, long island so it's more you know suburbs and kind of country and it was not as exhilarating as i thought so (laughs) after college you know then i had the opportunity to, to go to med school in new york city i was like okay this is it this is it i've arrived 
so yeah, well, that's something else I was gonna I was gonna ask you about. So mm. I mean, uh, you're you're a physician as well. I mean, like how? I mean, the years of sort of sacrifice and you know to 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 achieve that yeah. distinction and, and qualification. I mean. Um, is is it something? If I may ask, did you yeah. have you completely left that behind to pursue music, or are you are you are you juggling both in in some way? Or I have not left, despite the rumors out there. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why people are like are you fully retired. No, I'm still working as a physician. Amazing. Um, but the cool thing is, um, about it was like 2018 or so. I was like, okay. I love medicine. I love travel and I love music. How can I do all three? There has to be a way. Mm. And so me literally, you know, the poster board every year trying to set up goals of how can I do this? And, you know, the company that I was working with, I was working domestically. And then I found out years ago they had an international branch. So now I do get to travel as a physician and do the music. So it's sometimes you you just put it out there what you want. You don't know how it's going to materialize, but Mm. you just never, never know. So, and I mean, the, what I, what was hard for me was I thought I had to give up medicine completely to do music. Yeah. And because that's all that I saw out there. Right. One or the other. And you know, you, you, I'm sure you know, it's very hard to make a living and support a family as a musician. And so logistically, mm-hmm. that wasn't going to work for me to be able to just gig and do music all the time. So then it was just like, all right, what other jobs are out there? And so luckily, this one just happens to make sense where I can work as an independent contractor. So mm-hmm. You know, I set my hours. If I've got some time Amazing. next month, I'll be like, hey, are, are there any ships available? And I'll work and then I'll do music also. And it gives me that time to do to do that. So and mm. to raise my family. So it works Amazing. out. Amazing. That's, yeah. that's incredible. What, how, I think you mentioned that you came to music a little late. Yes. What were those like, uh, what were those sort of factors that... Mm. I guess made it late. Is it just that you know, obviously, medicine and studying and all of that was just taking you know the prominence in your life, or is it just the desire to or the will to kind of pursue music just came late as well? Well, um, our parents were musicians, and they also did social work um, after they got married and had us, just wanting to have a bit more financial stability so but we were always raised you know with music but since I was age five I knew I wanted to be a doctor and that was it and that was all that I knew so in that sense it was somewhat straightforward because you know there's a template that you take to get to medical school and that's what I did and then uh, in 2011 I I gave birth to my uh, daughter, the second child. And two weeks later, I was flying from California to New York with her uh, to be with my mom. because My mom had become ill. And it was at that time when we found out she had cancer. And so it was the next you know, six months of her life going back and forth, helping and to take care of her and to be with her. And it was incredibly difficult. Uh, but at the same time, it was also really beautiful that I was able to have that time with her. Mm. And so after she passed in, in January 2012, we, meeting my brother, sister, and my father, we were planning her memorial back in the home that we grew up in New York. And it was really stressful and decided to just take a break and then we just got out our instruments and I found my old keyboard my brother had his bass my dad had the drums my sister had her violin and we just jammed we just played for several hours 
And we'd never ever played together before as a family. That was the first time. And oh I even joked because our mom was in the room, her cremated uh, remains were in the urn. So even she was in the room at the time. Right. And so after that, it was just this incredible, um, just this cathartic experience. And that was the moment when I said, I'm going to do music. And then I went, you know, went back home, moved, you know, went back to California. I just started writing music and it was for me. It was healing. And I would just play, just play on my keyboard. And then it was like, oh, I have enough songs to make an album. I don't know how to release an album. How do you do that? So I just went online and read books and how do you copyright and how do you register your songs and all that. And I put it out in 2016. And then I was like, oh, but then I have to figure out I have to perform. And I have <laughs> I have stage fright. How am I gonna do this? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So that was torturous. And I said to myself, okay, before the end of I think it was 2016, by the end of the year, I will just do one open mic. That's it. Just one. And I had like two songs prepared and I was terrified heart was beating and then I played and then everyone clapped and then I looked out and opened my eyes and looked out and I was like okay that wasn't too bad <laughs> and then I just played as many open mics as I could and you know there's always somebody in the crowd who then connected me to somebody <clears throat> somebody else and actually through some of those shows I got to open for some to pretty big artists like Baybel, Gilberto, Habib wow. Poite, um, wow. through some of those those shows. You never know who's watching, right? Right, amazing. And then that, yeah, and so that was it. I haven't stopped playing since. But it was this transition of having to play music as a child and it not really meaning anything, except mm. it felt like a chore, to it became my own medicine and my own healing um, uh, through grief. And, and through my songs, that's what I really hope to share with people, you know, that you can get through. And there's always hope, always hope. That's beautiful. Yeah. That, that really is amazing. Yeah. Um, oh, what were those experiences like when you've, you start to make songs, you know, by mm. yourself, and then you yes. say to yourself, I'm, I'm going to play this for someone. <laughs> is right. that like something you were like, hey, listen to this? Or were you like, mm, I'm not going to do that for a while? I, yeah, I, I, I wasn't ready, but I, I, I just wanted to share a message. Mm. That's, you know, I really wanted to share. So one of the pivotal um, things was, I remember I was driving home one day and I was listening to the radio and I was feeling really heavy, really, really heavy. And um, on the radio, there's this doctor who was talking and he worked with veterans who suffered from uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And he was saying there was no amount of medication, no amount of talking or counseling that he could have done to help these veterans. But what he found was helpful was their decision to move through grief. And at that point, I really felt I was a victim of grief and there really was no way out. And that was the first time I heard somebody say, you have a choice. And I was like, oh my gosh. And that was one of the, also the um, motivations to, to get out there and to just share my own story. I think one of the coolest things about you, which I've obviously mentioned earlier about your your need to explore and continually evolve and try mm. new things, but there's also this amazing aspect to your music, um, which is you don't take um, the sort of the, the weight of responsibility uh, lightly. Mm. You know, you, you fully accept that being able to create something and put it out, the, the, the concept of a, of a message uh, behind it and the idea of this isn't um, a, a talent or this isn't a, a situation to be wasted uh, on something that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And there's so much 
of yourself that you just pour into each of these just even these songs on, on Kairu and every mm. aspect of it it's a really uh incredible thing I feel I've almost <laughs> I feel mm. fortunate to have mm. kind of stumbled onto it and kind of gone through that kind of journey and to sort of have this conversation with you to see how everything is pieces together it's it's a it's a very um very very cool thing uh, and um, it's it's yeah that responsibility that you accept when you put music out I think it's uh uh it's yes it's a it's something I think listeners kind of resonate with isn't it and appreciate in in people thank you so much and I I credit a lot of that actually to my audiences in the early days because when I first started I was, all my music was instrumentals and it was people who would come up at the end and they said, oh, why don't you sing? You should sing. I'm like, why? You, you, I don't sing. You've never heard my voice. I'm not even confident about, you know, if I could even do that. But enough people kept asking me to sing. I was like, okay, maybe I should start to write some lyrics and, and you know, learn to, to like my voice and, and get over it. And bit by bit, um, again, through the encouragement of these wonderful listeners, that also helped me to step into that responsibility that you're talking about. Mm. And, and as a, as an artist, I, I don't hold that lightly. Um, it's, it's an honor really, when you think mm. about it. Yeah. That's wonderful. There's, um, mm. um, I'm very happy to have seen this as well. This is, um, you put out this will be my my my, my final uh uh question because i know uh, uh i think i've kept it <laughs> i've yeah, kept you right no enough problem. time already but you, you put out this. oh you're very kind thank you yeah. um you put out an awesome instagram post uh i can't see when i think like maybe yesterday or, or the mm-hmm. day before uh where you include this quote that i'll, I'll quickly and poorly read uh if i may but uh, <laughs> yes. you said, uh, are, are you setting goals that fit into your life if they're real goals they will blow up your life drag you out to sea push your head under water and make you gasp for air and see the light real goals are an identity shift today i set a goal that frightens me and it's a quote from uh, a year without fear by tama keebs that's um, right that's wonderful that's such a, again a i think it's a perfect summation of so much of what we've talked about uh how how do those words kind of resonate with you oh i this woman's words are (laughs) i i don't know i don't know what planet she comes from or where or where she's (laughs) getting her insights from she's phenomenal like uh, i first heard about her several years ago when i was thinking i needed to quit medicine to do the music and I was struggling and grappling between the two and every page just it was as if it was she was writing and talking to me and her she was a lawyer and um, she transitioned to being an author and so her words like every page has and continues to resonate with me and one of my mottos, particularly after 2017, which was another pivotal year where um, my family and I, we um, lost our home and every, everything in the 2017 wildfires. That was another difficult moment, but like literally that was the fire that was, that sparked um, my decision to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and so even, even when you don't know, we don't, we don't know what a particular, what our trajectory will be. We may have a dream, but we may not know how to get from A to B. But in my opinion, it's just like, if you can just take one step, just one step to creating that journey, creating the road while you're walking on it at the same time. Mm. It will always lead to something good. It will. It has to. Mm. So, uh, her her works have inspired me tremendously, and that was. Um, I had to just share that that quote, 
as a reminder for myself too, and then you know for for mm. all those who, who saw it. Wonderful. Um, uh, again, I I so appreciate your time. I appreciate your uh, your candor. I appreciate how gracious you've been in in kind of sharing so much. Uh, so I, again, I, I really appreciate it. I want to. Uh, thank you again for your time. I want to say congratulations on your fifth album, which is just such a wonderful achievement. It's a, a really stunning piece of work. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to have, to have, you know, stumbled onto it and uh, for it to, you know, have been something that I've, uh, has, you know, a really wonderful project that um, I'm kind of going to wave the flag for for some time. Um, it means a lot to me that I've had the chance to sit with you and, and kind of have this conversation as well. It means so much to me that I've had the chance to do that. So uh, I can't thank you enough. I just want to say congratulations. Uh, I know so much about you is uh, is about looking forward and mm. uh, and looking to you know to that continuing that journey, that exploration. But I do hope at times you'll you'll do take that minute to yourself and just sit and think I've done something pretty amazing several times. <laughs> so uh, just to say, I, I hope that that's something that you, you do take the time to do for yourself. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder. I needed to hear that. Actually. <laughs> Don't do that enough. Thank you. <laughs> no thank you for this wonderful all. opportunity. It's such a pleasure to, to connect with you like this. I'm not the one that you're about to know. 